it's Tuesday, 9-11-01. You probably remember exactly where you were, like I do. What a day. I had meetings periodically throughout the day, so I wasn't able to get away and see what was going on until late afternoon, but I was getting reports, and as I did, I went through the range of emotions, anger, sadness, disbelief, revenge, very real sense that things would never, ever be the same again. We called all of our children just to talk to them. If I could have, I would have gathered them all together, but that was impossible. Living eight miles from the airport in Atlanta, it was eerie looking up into the skies and not seeing or hearing a single plane. But I also realized that with all of that, that the others in our congregation were feeling similar things. The people of God needed to get together. And so I called for a gathering for the next evening. Wednesday evening at our church at 7 p.m. But what would I say? What do you say in a situation like that? I walked out and the sanctuary was full. Sat down in the front row And at 7 p.m., I got up and walked over to the podium, and I read these words. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, Therefore, we we will will not not fear. Though the earth give way, we will not fear. Though the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, we will not fear. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, we We will not fear. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. Be still and know that I am God. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The The Lord Lord Almighty Almighty is is with us. The The God God of Jacob is our fortress. Let's pray together. Lord, today as we look at Psalm 46, will you give us uncommon insight, not because we are wise, 
but because you have such a message there for us. Would you teach us, but even more than that, move us, grant us your comfort, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hope you'll turn to Psalm 46 as we will be working our way through this uh, verse by verse, virtually. It begins uh, with a statement of faith, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to read it on that night. The statement, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Now, the psalmist here, he sets the tone for the entire rest of the psalm, emphasizing that if there is any protection, if there is any security at all, it has got to come from God. And he's going to explain that all of those things where we tend to get our security They are moving. We can't count on them in any absolute way. Think about it. Having enough money, people in our world tend to think, if I I just had enough money, then I would have security, bank accounts, stocks, tangible assets. Having enough for retirement. For some, it's security in their job. Secure job because of my training. For others, it's their marriage, their family, friends, and so on. I hope you can quickly see the problem with all of those. The problem with those is that virtually every one of them, one or in most cases a number of people from this congregation in this last year has lost. And so if our dependence is upon those things, then we're in trouble. There is no security. And there's no hope for security if we are going to put our trust in those things. Money, portfolios, retirement is only as secure as the economy. I don't have to tell you about the economy right now. In fact, let me give you a diagnostic question. Are you more discouraged now and more scared or concerned about your future with the economy the way it is than you were a year ago? Or maybe I should say two years ago. Are you more scared about your future now because of the economy? 
And if you are, then maybe your security is resting more in that area than most of us really would like to admit. The more our trust is in God, the more immune we are to the ups and downs of an economy, to the ups and downs of a family, to the ups and downs of life. And so when these things come along, we find out really where our security is. Because if we feel like our whole face, uh, uh, our whole base or, or foundation is gone, then we're trusting in the wrong thing. Now, he goes on and says there are dreadful things that happen. Verse 2, therefore, we will not fear though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Selah. Verse 2 starts out with the application of trust in God. Therefore, we will not fear. He, he, he had given his statement of faith. God's our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. The application, therefore, we won't fear. And some of you may say, well, that's so pious sounding. <laughs> but who really lives that way? It's easier said than done. That's true. But notice what what he uh, uh, is saying here. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. The psalmist is imagining the worst of calamities. Here he is basically saying, what if the creative work of God was reversed and instead of moving from chaos to order... It went from what we now have back into chaos. Back to the third day of creation. What then? What if that happened and you were depending upon your foundation here in the world? He's putting out that drastic example about the world itself. But the reality is that sometimes our world, what we're facing, feels like that. Not necessarily that our, our, the world is gone, but it feels that our world has turned into chaos. Elizabeth Elliot, who probably many of you have read some of her books, she's written about her experiences suffered the loss of more than one husband to death. The first one, Jim Elliott. You may remember he was murdered by the Alka Indians when he was taking the gospel to them. Some years later, she 
married Addison Leach, and he later was slowly consumed by cancer. This is what she says of that in the first shock of death. Everything that has seemed most dependable has given way. Mountains are falling. Earth is reeling. In such a time, it is a profound comfort to know that although all things seem to be shaken, one thing is not, God is not shaken. It's almost a direct quote from Psalm 46. But she's applying that feeling as if, as if the mountains are just falling into the sea. The world is melting around me. It is in chaos. And yet one thing stands. And that's her hope. And then down in verse 4. There is safety in the city. Sounds strange in our day. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Now, typically in our day, we don't think of the city as being the place of safety. <laughs> we think of the opposite. And it's like, what do you mean safety in the city? We left the city for safety. But in this day, that of course, and in, in the... Uh, the east where this was written, that was where the safety was. When invaders would come, they would enter into um, uh, the, the city for protection, the walled city. And during a siege of the city, if the water supply was secure, if you had plenty of water, the city could hold out against attacks for long periods of time. And that's what he's saying. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. In this verse, the city represents the church of God is described as being well secured. The water is there. So in our seasons of trial, in the midst of our trials... He supplies us with his all-sufficient grace that comes to us. Where God is, that's where there's safety. Where God is not, that's where there's danger. Look at verse 6. The power of God. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. Now, our tendency is to look at the uproar around us, to look at uh, how things around us seem to be trembling, to look at our circumstances. It's human nature. It's natural when we're going through a, a difficult period of time or a difficult life. In some cases, there are those who it seems one thing after another hits them. And sometimes there is a season where that seems to take place in our life. The psalmist here is saying, he can stop it with a word. That's his power. 
We saw that in the Gospels. Saw it in Mark. How Jesus, in the midst of a storm, can stand and speak a word and calm the storm. Now, the purpose of that wasn't just to show that he could stop storms. The purpose was to show that he has all of that power still. And so that's where our trust must be. And he talks about the presence of God, verse 7. The Almighty God is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. It's not helpful to us if God is almighty and powerful, but he's nowhere to be found. The psalmist says that's not the case. Now this verse is is repeated again at the end, which is always a key when when you're looking at the psalms and Hebrew poetry, when there is a a repeat. uh, you, You take note of that. You'll see a theme developing. We're going to talk about it more at the end. But he continues on building his case of the safety of God's people by again reminding them of the works of God. Look at verse 8. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolation he's brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields or the chariots with fire. Now, in the Old Testament, obviously, there were times when uh, God defeated the enemy for his people. What was the point? What, What was he saying here? He's saying, okay, here's how it is. You're in the city for safety. God defeats the enemy Now I want you to open the gates, go outside the city and look around at at the devastation that he brought on your enemies. And as you look at that, as you behold the work of God, as you see what he has done in other places, sometimes at other times, I want you to know that that same God is the one that is with you. He, we need to uh, consider church history. Again and again, we see Satan attacking the church. Satan has his plans. He's going to defeat the church. But each time, what God does is he takes Satan's plan and he makes it into a victory for the church. For instance... Satan desires to attack and defeat the church with persecution. And so what happens? Well, the church is persecuted, and that causes it to scatter, which causes the church to expand because the gospel goes out when those who were very comfortable probably would have never gone out. God wins. Then he attacks the church with heresy, what happens? The church comes together, studies, prays, and defines its doctrine. And it makes the church stronger overall. 
So again and again, we see Satan attacks. God takes those attacks, makes them into victory. Because God will not let his church be overcome. Now what's the appropriate response? We've heard it again and again today. Verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I'll be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. Remember I mentioned to you Elizabeth Elliot. She also said, the thing that is most needful is to do what the psalmist does later, to be still and know that God is God. God is God, whether we recognize it or not, she says, but it comforts us and infuses strength into our faltering spirits to rest in that truth. Now, what's that mean? Well, when you're in the middle of things, don't fall into American uh, folk theology, you know, that says God helps them that helps themselves. That's not what the Bible says. It's not that we are passive, but that's nowhere in there. Here it says there's a time to be still. And sometimes in the midst of all of what this looks like chaos, that's the very time to be still and not just be still and think about your problems, but The being still is is in order to know that God is God and you are not. And so in one sense, the pressure is off because of who he is. And so he says in the middle of this, in the middle of all this turmoil, by faith, be still and know who I am. Who is he? Well, verse 11, he, we see his names. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Now, since that's repeated twice, we need to pay special attention. Lord Almighty, Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, or Lord of the angels. Now that's the name that David called upon for help when he faced Goliath. That's who we're talking about here. He's the one who brings heavenly power to rescue his people. He rules the armies of heaven, and so they obey his will. God of Jacob. Now I want to take what Mark said earlier about that phrase, Selah. It's a pause for a moment. So I want us to pause just for a moment. We've been told to be still and know that He is God, and then We see these names of God, and then there is a pause. 
I want you to think about this phrase. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Okay, I want you to close your eyes just for a moment. Not long enough to fall asleep. Close your eyes. And listen. The Lord Almighty is with us. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob, the God of all history, of all of God's people, He is our fortress our protector. In the early 1500s, the Reformation had really begun. Martin Luther had been a priest, came under conviction about faith, about grace, and not about works. Now, a lot of people associate uh, Martin Luther with the book of Romans or Galatians, and that's proper. Those were important influences. But, but the other book that Luther was a scholar in is the Psalms. He had a love of them. And one of his favorites was Psalm 46. When the times were darkest, when he was in uh, the deepest distress, struggling with depression, when his life was threatened, he was discouraged, he would turn to his friend and co-worker, Philip Melanchthon, and he would say, Come, Philip, let's sing Psalm 46 which they would do together. Luther said, We sing this psalm to the praise of God because God is with us. He turned it into a hymn, but it was out of his turmoil that he wrote that hymn. It was the worst of times, 1527, some 10 years after he first tacked his 95 theses on the door, starting the outward reformation. In those 10 years, he had come under political and theological attack. His life was often threatened. He struggled with depression. He was under great pressure. He had physical problems. And now, he was struggling with the other reformers over issues of the Lord's Supper, which he thought to be as serious error as the church that he had originally protested. On April 22nd, a dizzy spell forced him to stop preaching in the middle of a sermon. 
on July 6th. As friends arrived for dinner, Luther felt an intense buzzing in his ear. He excused himself. He went into his room, and they heard him shout out, Water, or I'll die. He got clammy cold, and he thought that was the last night of his life. He surrendered his will again to God. With the doctor's help, he partially regained his strength. But the depression, the illness overcame him again in August and September and late December. Looking back on those bouts, he wrote to his friend Melanchthon, I spent more than a week in death and hell. My entire body was in pain. I still tremble. Completely abandoned by Christ, I labored under the vacillations of storms of desperation and blasphemy against God. But through the prayers of his friends... God began to have mercy on me and pulled my soul from the inferno below. And then the plague erupted in Wittenberg. His home became virtually a hospital. His own son fell ill. It was a long period of time before the epidemic began to abate. During that horrific year, Luther took time to remember it was 10 years ago that he had his publication against indulgences. And he said this, the only comfort against raging Satan is that we have God's word to save the souls of believers. And it was sometime that year that he wrote these words. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed his triumph, his truth through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, His doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. Psalm 46. As it did for Martin Luther, may it bring us comfort in our lives. Let's bow together.